fun fact, did you know that the first four chapters of Lamentations, the first four laments, are actually acrostic poems? And what that means, if we were using the English language, is that verse 1 begins with A, verse 2 begins with B, verse 3 begins with C, all the way through the alphabet. Uh, but, but chapter 5, the one we're looking at tonight, doesn't have that pattern. Isn't that interesting? And yet, I'm pretty sure at least one of you is asking, yeah, but so what? <laughs> How does that change my world? What in the world am I supposed to do with that, Caleb? And maybe that's how you felt through this whole series. Over the past four weeks, we have been working our way through the book of Lamentations. We have been looking at God's character and how it remains unchanging uh, regardless of the hardships we face. However, there is one question that we, we haven't answered yet. So what? So what that God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness? What am I supposed to do with that? How does that change the hardship that I'm in now? How does it reshape my experience of loss and suffering? And here's the answer. It changes our default response to this thing called lament. That's probably a word that you haven't used before. We don't use it a lot. And it simply means a complaint against evil, injustice, pain, or sin. And that's actually what this whole book that we've been looking about is about. Lamentations is a book of laments about the fall of Jerusalem and its aftermath. It, it's, the, it's the writer voicing his complaints and his frustrations about the situation he now finds himself in. A and my guess is that in the midst of hardships, we all have some complaints, right? Think over the last year, I'm sure we've had a few. But lamenting is very different than complaining. For starters, lamenting is directed at one person and one person only, to God. Notice that this is what the writer is doing in verse 1. He, he says, remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. A and then the rest of the chapter is really a laundry list of his frustrations and, and complaints poured out to God. And so here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to look at three things. First, why lament at all? Why do this? Second, how do we do this? And third, why do we know it works? Okay, so why lament to God? And the answer is quite simple. Because of who he is. If you've been here the last four weeks, this should make sense to you. As we've gone through the book of Lamentations and we've seen God's character in the midst of hardship, the fact that he's present and available to us in hardship, that, that he will deal justly with us and that his steadfast love endures forever, all of that drives us to present our frustrations to him. To put it simply, the God who loved you enough to die for you loves you enough to hear your frustrations, to hear your laments. But there's another reason that our laments need to be directed to God and not to your friends and not to your classmates. It's because in the midst of hardship, we ultimately have a problem with God himself. Now, at first glance, you might not think that's the case. Uh, you might expect the writer of this lament to have a problem with, say, the Babylonians, 
um, the people who conquered Jerusalem and murdered his people. Or, or perhaps he would have an issue with the corrupt leadership that led the nation astray. However, this lament is not written to King Nebuchadnezzar. It's not written to the, the disgraced leadership of Israel. It is written to God. And here's why that is. Because God's character causes us some problems and hardship. See, when we read about who God is, when we read about what God is like, it sets up some expectations for us. It seems like we would be guaranteed a level of comfort, protection, quality of life, and then hardship strikes, and it destroys those expectations, leaving us disappointed and angry with God. And when you become angry with someone, uh, it really cuts you off from them. And, And so lamenting helps us to reconcile with God. Now, perhaps that feels a little uncomfortable to you. Perhaps to say that you are angry with God feels wrong. After all, God is perfect, right? Everything he does is just. Therefore, if I'm angry, I must be the problem here. And yeah, let's let's run down that trail. Uh, What happens if you just stuff it down, right? You act like it's no big deal, there's no problem whatsoever. You begin to resent him. You begin to put distance between you and God. If you put the happy face on and don't express your hurt and frustration, a wall goes up. A wedge gets driven in between you and God, and it can choke out the relationship. See, hardship is a wedge between you and God, and lamenting is the way to remove that wedge, to restore and reconcile the relationship. And it's actually the way that God wants us to handle hardships. Did you know that there are different types of psalms in the Bible? There's different categories and types. The, the largest section of psalms is the lament psalm. It's just person after person pouring their frustration, their heartache out to God. It is the God-approved, God-sanctioned way of dealing with hardship. And so we lament to God, one, because he wants us to, but two, because we need to restore that relationship because hardship has thrown things off balance. So we have to ask the question, okay, how do we do that? How do we lament? And there's actually four steps to lament, and we've already covered step one. Step one is you turn to God, right? Lamenting to your classmates or your friends is not going to help you because you don't have a problem with them. You have a problem with God. And so you have to turn to him and talk to him, (laughs) Second, you have to be honest with God. Step two is you be honest with God. Did you notice that we read through the passage that the writer does not pull his punches, right? He describes in vivid detail the suffering that he's experienced, the pain that he's witnessed. Lamenting is an emotional process. There's no place for niceties. There, there, there is no place for simply reading off statistics, right? Lamenting is trying to articulate the gut-wrenching pain that you're in and put it all before God. It's not about being nice. It's about reconciling the relationship, which means that you're going to need to say some tough things to clear that wedge. But that doesn't mean that God is your punching bag, 
Relief and reconciliation doesn't come because you air all of your grievances. It actually comes from resting in God and his character. Did you notice that after his, 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 his long complaint in our, in our text, um, he makes a, a, a dramatic shift in verse 19. He says, But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. He, he moves on to step three which is to recall God and his character. See, when we're in a hardship, when we're angry with God, it, it colors him a certain way. A- and by forcing ourselves to reflect on, on his character, on who he is, how he is faithful and gracious and patient, and how he's been those things to us, it causes us to come to grips with who he is. Now, you might be tempted to think that what we're doing here is trying to butter God up, right? We lodge a complaint, we say some nice things about him in order to change the situation. We have to be very careful to keep those expectations in check. See, complaining or lamenting to God is not like when you complain to the waiter who brought you an overcooked steak. When you do that, you're expecting a free meal or at least a new steak cooked the way you wanted it to be cooked. But when we lament to God, there is no guarantee that our situation will change. In fact, most of the time, it does not. So what's the point then? Why are we doing this? Step four is to trust in God. Uh, See, the goal is is not to change the situation. It's to change our perception. It's to come to grips with reality, with who God is. When we are lamenting to God, we are not asking him for answers. We are asking him for assurance of his wisdom, his love, and his care. We are asking God to be near, to comfort, and to demonstrate his steadfast love. And we trust that he will, even if our situation doesn't change. Interestingly, this last step is not in our text, is it? Look at how he ends. Look at verse 21 and 22 again. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. The writer seems to find himself in like this weird logic puzzle. Either A, God will restore us, but maybe he won't. (laughs) Maybe he is angry at us and will remain angry at us forever. And that's how it ends. It, it just, it feels like it's a wrong ending, doesn't it? Like there needs to be like a just kidding at the end of verse 22. Like, um, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. JK, you would never do that. But we don't have that. <laughs> the, the whole book of Lamentations really seems to have this uncertainty about whether God it can truly be trusted. Is he really going to come through here? Yes, they know who he is. Yes, they know his character. But they've never really taken that step to trust him. And I don't know about you, but in hardships, it is very hard to do that last step. It's very easy to complain about God. And if you've been here the last four weeks, you know a lot about God's character. But to do that last step, to entrust yourself to him, that's hard. Because we, in hardship, we begin to wonder, okay, what assurance do I have that this is going to work, that he really does have wisdom, love, and care toward me? So we have to ask the question, why does lamenting work? 
And the answer to that I is because one time it didn't. One time lamenting did not work. See, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, we're told that he went to a garden called Gethsemane and said this to his disciples. I'm in Mark chapter 14, verses 34 through 36. It says, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. A and going a little farther, he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. <laughs> Jesus finds himself in the midst of a hardship, doesn't he? he? He is about to die the most excruciating death known to man, and it is already weighing on him. He is sorrowful even to death. And what does he do? He laments. He turns to God. Step one, he brings his, his complaint. I really don't want to die. <laughs> Step two, and in light of who God is, his Abba, his Father, step three, he trusts God to care for him based on his wisdom, love, and care. And then he's carted off, whipped, beaten, and crucified. Right? And the, the cry from the cross is not one of reconciliation, it's one of alienation. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason his lament went unanswered was so that we could have ours heard and accepted. Here's how the book of Hebrews puts it in Hebrews 4.16. It says that, that because of Jesus, we have confidence to draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you see that not only does Jesus show us how to lament, but he is our assurance that when we lament, God will hear us and respond with love, wisdom, and care. See, because Jesus was alienated from the Father, you and I can be reconciled with him, both permanently, but also in the midst of hardship, when that wedge gets placed in between us. So guys, if you take one thing from this whole series, take this. God is unchanging in your hardships. He is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And because that's true, you can and you should lament to him. Bring your complaints. Bring your frustrations to him. Remove the wedge that, that's been placed between you and him. It is the only way that the Bible gives us to cope with the hardships that we've experienced. Because only God's shoulders are strong enough, are large enough to shoulder the pain and the suffering and the frustrations of your hardships. Mm -hmm.